A lot of Christians believe in a rapture, but we sometimes disagree about when it's going to be. I place it before the seven-year tribulation period kicks off. And my friend Daniel Moore is going to be with us today to give us several reasons why on the Cross References Podcast. Welcome to the Cross References Podcast, where you learn how every small piece of the Bible tells one big story, and most importantly, how they all connect to the cross and Christ. Whether you're a new Christian or a veteran Bible reader, our goal is that God's Word will make more sense to you after every episode. This is Luke Taylor. I'm an ordained minister. I'm also a friend to Daniel Moore. He's a buddy and colleague of mine in the radio industry, as well as in the Photoshop and graphic design industry and the Bible study podcast industry. <laughs> so we have a lot of intersecting interests. And we also both attend um, the Pentecostal Assembly of God churches. We have a similar theology when it comes to end times events and how that all plays out. And that's something I love talking about here on this show. So uh, Daniel, thanks for being with us today to, uh, to tell us about the rapture. Yeah, thanks for having me. I truly appreciate it. Looking forward to it. And, and I know you also have a show, and I want to mention it here. We'll tell more. We'll tell people more about it later. But uh, you have a you have a show on podcast called Connecting the Gap. Is that right? Yes, that's correct. That's my ministry. Uh, you, as you said, we'll get into a little bit later. Probably a little bit more at the end here. But I've got a, a website, and I do a weekly podcast. It's basically a a Bible study type podcast, kind of similar to what you do. Mine is usually about 15 minutes long, but uh, here lately, over the, well, over this last year, actually, I've been doing an end times uh, revelation and, and prophecy of the Bible study. And actually, the other day was my one year mark of actually yeah. doing that. I've been going for a long time, but we're about halfway through Revelation at this point, and uh, I've been doing 30 minute uh, episodes. Well, I've been going through that because there's just so much material. And uh, so, yeah, um, I've what something God's called me to do, and I really enjoy it. Yeah, I know what you mean about I, when I started this podcast, I almost called it 30 minute theology. Yeah. Like that was going to be what I, I'm glad I didn't do that now because I would be lying about every week. Yeah, they, they always differ. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I did my last one that I just did right before this one here. It was like my longest one ever. It lasted over an hour. Wow. But um, I just got going on some stuff and couldn't stop couldn't break it up but but anyway yeah so i'm glad i didn't go with the other title that i, that I had yeah that would have been hard to to stick with that's for sure oh yeah you start you start digging in on the bible you can just keep digging and digging sometimes yes you can so, um and so yeah we got kind of similar shows i like you got kind of a emphasis on bible prophecy like i i like to go to that well a lot on this one too and so we're both what's called Pre-millennial dispensationalists. Yes. Don't you just love those big words? Mm -hmm. But no one knows what you're talking about whenever you use them. (laughs) Basically, that means we believe in a rapture of the church, a future seven-year tribulation period, and a thousand-year reign of Christ. And we think all those things are going to happen in that order. Yes. And, uh, and, And I like that. I I mean, I've, I've tried to dig in a lot. I know there's different views that people have on Bible prophecy. I've looked at other people's views. I feel like this one makes the most sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense of what's coming. Yeah. It's, you know, there's, 
when it comes to the Bible, there's just so many different ways that it can be interpreted. And especially when you get into the, the study of Revelation, the study of prophecy, there's just tons of symbolism. Mm-hmm. And then there's a ton of common sense. you got to kind of <laughs> put the two together. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, they, they get into the symbolic side of things and it just overwhelms them because they don't do enough study on the background side of it to kind of figure out what that symbolism actually means and where it's taking them when it talks about the prophecies of the Bible. Mm-hmm. But then they... They start letting their mind run at that point, I think, and then they start making things a lot harder than what it really is. That's true. And they get out of the common sense side of things, and, you know, you just have to, to look at Revelation uh, just just with some common sense and not dig, you know, the Bible says not to add or take away, and it actually says that in Revelation. Yeah. And there's a reason for that, because if you add too much into what you're reading with prophetic, or you take too much away from it, you're going to be way off the mark. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've got some points here today to go through that I think is going to more than sufficiently um, support this view of, of being a pre-tribulation rapture. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, and that's a pretty good introduction to what we want to talk about today. And so I had, I called this episode 12 Reasons to Believe in a Pre-Tribulation Rapture. Then Daniel surprised me this morning. He had number 13. So we'll go yeah. through 13 reasons today why we believe in a pre-tribulation rapture as opposed to, as opposed to a mid-trib or a post-trib view. We believe in a pre-trib view. Yes. And I'm going to probably say pre-trib for short because yes. <laughs> I'll get word. Get tongue-tied. Yeah, get tongue-tied. So... <laughs> Um, let's talk today about 12 reasons why that the church will not go through the tribulation period, but will instead go in a pre-tribulation rapture. Okay. Well, there's, there's basically two scriptures that are pretty popular, really, that are probably looked at the most when it comes to a pre-tribulation view of the rapture. And of course, before we probably start here, we probably should talk about the rapture. Mm-hmm. There may be people listening that don't have a clue what we're even talking about, and we hope there are, because we, w- we want to open your heart and your mind to this so you understand where we're headed as this world spirals to its end. So when we talk about the rapture, um, basically the word rapture, it, it comes from a word that's Latin. And there's a translation of that. It's called rapturo, and that means that we'll be caught up. And in First Thessalonians 4.17, there's a scripture that talks about uh, when Jesus comes back that we're going to be caught up and we're going to meet the Lord in the air, and we're going to start that, that reign with him um, there at the end of time. So there's a theologian, his name is Charles Ryrie, and when he was kind of studying into the rapture and that kind of thing, when he studied this word rapturo, he, he said there can be no doubt that the word is used in 1 Thessalonians 4.17 to indicate the actual removal of people from earth to heaven. Hmm. So the whole concept behind this rapture thing Mm -hmm. is the fact that there's going to become a point in time, the trumpet's going to sound, we'll talk about that here in a little bit with one of our points, and Jesus is going to come back, and all that are alive and remain and are believers in Christ, we're going to be out of here, we're going to be gone, and the, the dead in Christ are going to rise first, and that's going to leave all the people that are left that are not believers, and that's going to set up that seven-year time of tribulation that's been talked about in the Bible. So there's two scriptures, First Thessalonians 1.10 and Revelations 3, verse 10. Those are probably the two most referenced scriptures when it comes to people that actually believe in pre-tribulation. So 1 Thessalonians 1.10 talks about how the pre-tribulation protects us from God's wrath. Mm-hmm. God's people are not destined for wrath, but for salvation. Throughout the book of Revelation, wrath is reserved for unbelievers. Right. That's, my, that's just my true feelings on that. Yeah. It's God's e- wrath poured out on the earth. Exactly. So even though there's two different Greek words in Revelation, 
that are translated into the English word wrath. One of those is thumos and orge. It's always the case that God's people are protected from it. So thumos is mentioned in, in Revelation 8, 15, 16, 18, and in, in chapter 19. The word orge is used in Revelation chapter 6, 14, 16, and 19. And so there's several different places there within even Revelation itself um, that refers to the fact that us as believers are going to be protected from that wrath of God. Hmm. So our understanding is confirmed by God's promise to the church in Philadelphia, which actually becomes a promise to all of us. And that basically that promise was because we have kept his commands and we persevered as a Christian and we've continued that walk with him and we've believed and we've waited for that day for him to come back and to take us away. He's going to keep us from that hour of trial, which shall come upon the whole world because that's going to be his testing time hmm. of all of those that are left. And I feel like that as Christians, we're going through our testing time right now. You know, I think that as, as we walk this walk that we're walking, mm-hmm. we're following in that path that, that God's given us to to follow. Um, you know, we are being refined as gold mm-hmm. at this point in our life. Mm-hmm. And we're going through plenty of trial and tribulation now. And it's getting worse by the day yeah. as our government continues to take away more and more of the liberties that we have as Christians. And, you know, we know and expect to go through what we're going through right now. But I think in the very end, when the time comes for Jesus to come back, um, he's going to reward us for the the path that we've taken and the trials and the tribulations that we've endured by getting mm-hmm. us out of here yeah. before that time of tribulation when the world's going to be completely 100% destroyed. Right. Um, so... So it's significant that with that scripture, God didn't tell us that he was going to merely protect us through it. Mm -hmm. That scripture tells us that he's going to protect us from it. Mm. I mean, there's, there's a, you got to read those words. There's a a literal different meaning when you read that scripture for what it actually says. And so I truthfully, in my mind, I don't think that, you know, God walks through us with trials and tribulations. We know that every time we go through something bad in our life and we get down to the bottom of the valley, um, we know that God's always right there with us to help us back up on the other side if we just lean on him Mm -hmm. and, and grab hold of him. But I don't think it was ever his intent to walk through the tribulation with us because we're not going to be here. Right. You know, he's protecting us from that. Right. And that, that also comes up later in some of your reasons yes. too, that there's, there's not really a point for us to be here through the tribulation. Right. But uh, yeah, I like what you said about we're, we're being tested now because that tribulation period is also mentioned as a time of testing on the world. <laughs> I'd rather have this test. Exactly. <laughs> as bad as things are now. Yes, this is better because we what what we have right now that we're going through is not even going to hold a candle yeah. to what's going to happen when those seals start to be broken and those bold judgments are poured out mm-hmm. and when all that stuff starts taking place we don't want to be here I mean that's yeah. just that's that's a horrible that's that's a a time of wrath that God has selected for those that refused to believe who He was mm-hmm. and determined to follow Satan and and the path that He wanted them to go on yeah so. Another point here to make as we get started, too, is uh, a pre-tribulation rapture also is really the only best explanation for experiencing business as usual, quote unquote, mm-hmm. when Christ comes. So if, if you read the Bible, the Bible tells us that, you know, just as the days of Noah, if you know the, the, the story of Noah, mm-hmm. uh, he built that ark, you know, many, many years he built that ark as people sit out there and laughed at him and mm-hmm. scoffed him and made fun of him. And the world carried on. Right. They partied, they drank, they ate, they had good times, they planted, they sold. Everything was normal yeah. all the way up until 
God closed that door. Mm -hmm. And when God closed that door, unexpectedly, everything came to fruition that Noah kept telling them, it's going to rain and it's going to flood this earth. Right. Something they never thought would happen. Right. Well, the Bible tells us in, in Luke that as those days were, that's the way it's going to be in the tribulation. So all the way up until the point when Jesus comes back, our life's going to be carrying on. Mm -hmm. We're going to come to work. We're going to go back home. We're going to go to the grocery store and buy groceries. We're going to go watch movies. Mm -hmm. You know, we're going to do everything as we normally always have mm -hmm. until that trumpet sounds. And in the, in the blink of an eye, everything right. is going to change. So, I t you know, to me, that's kind of also another point to kind of look at when you're trying to, to determine if this is going to be a, a pre-tribulation rapture type thing or not. Just look at Noah. Right. I mean, that's, that's a perfect example of, of the way things are going to be when Christ returns, because it's, it's going to be business as usual. And, and like you and you're saying that uh, if the rapture, say, was going to be at the end of the tribulation or even halfway through, well, business is not going to be carrying on as no. usual in the world during all that. Not the, at all. The world's falling apart. <laughs> yes. It's going to be a mess. Yeah. People aren't going to movies. They might not have electricity, you know, for most of it, because all the earthquakes and all this stuff wrecking the world. I think what people don't, under, don't understand is, you know, especially through the last half, the, the last three and a half, people are going to be running for their lives. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think people, especially if you're a Christian trying to make it through the tribulation, you're not going to have a home. Mm -hmm. You're not going to have source of food. You're not... You're not going to have where to lay your head. You're, there's going to be very few people that's even going to try to protect you. Yeah. And so it's definitely not going to be business as usual like it is now. So that really makes it difficult, for, especially for the post-tribulation view. Mm -hmm. That almost makes it impossible to even try to explain yeah. you know, that view at all. So the first point that, that we have here is probably the most clear one that really should just end the whole discussion, to be quite honest. But, yeah. but we know as, as human beings, we like to have more than one reason. Um, <laughs> but the Bible basically never says the church is going to go through tribulation. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've, I've studied many studies and, and all the times that I've read through the Bible from from cover to cover. And, I, you know, I don't know if you've probably never seen it either. I right. Mean, it's I not there. Yeah. Um, so the Bible says we're not going to go through. Exactly. Rap. It tells us the opposite right. of that. And so to me, you know, that's pretty clear and cut. Yeah. I mean, I, there, you can't really. It, if the church was supposed to go through the tribulation period. It does seem that God would probably have at least warned us. Exactly. <laughs> about that. Yes. And and I think that would have only been fair. Yeah. Our God's a fair God. Right. And I think that throughout the Bible he's always tried to lay out the plan and forewarned us mm -hmm. with everything that we're going to go through. Yeah. And I truly believe like you like you're saying you you hit it on the head if if we were going to go through any of that time why would he why would he keep that from us mm -hmm. you know we're his children yeah and he wants us to succeed he wants us to be in heaven with him so he's not going to set us up to fail the second point here the church had no part in the first 69 weeks of daniel and it's going to have no part in the 70th week mm. and the scripture that goes along with that it's basically it's in daniel chapter 9 so it's an old testament scripture mm -hmm. uh, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Hmm. As I was looking over this one, I was like, I really need to do an episode about the 70 weeks that are there in Daniel 9, because that's... <laughs> such a big subject it is worth digging into i mean yes. it, it's one of those foundational chapters to all of our eschatology all of our end times theology if you don't have daniel 9 
it really does kind of fall apart. Yeah. So it's one of those linchpins. I need to do an episode on that. So we need to summarize it real briefly here, though, um, so we don't go on for like 20 minutes about it. But what is the what's the deal with the 69 and the 70 weeks of Daniel? Okay. So basically, uh, in verse 24 uh, of Daniel chapter 9, it, it basically, you know, it says 77s are decreed for your people in your holy city. Almost all commentators agree that the 77s should be understood as 70 weeks of years. Right. In other words, a period of 490 years. And so if you, if you get into, the, again, get into the symbolism of, of how God laid the Bible out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, we, we understand that, you know, a week is a day and, and so on. It's, there's a lot of ways that God refers to things that we look at it in our finite mind that we have here as humans, but mm-hmm. God's expanded that because, you know, God's eternal. Mm-hmm. So time is no, es- no essence to him whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, but whenever this, you go through church history and you, you know, fix all this out there, then it becomes, it's not truly a week. Right. And it becomes years. So in other words... A period of seven years. Right. So in other words, there's going to be a period of 490 years. So these verses provide a sort of clock mm-hmm. that gives an idea of when the Messiah is going to come. Of course, not the exact date because nobody knows. Um, and some of the events that would accompany his appearance. So the prophecy goes on to divide the 490 years into three smaller units. One of 49 years, one of 434 years, and one of seven years. Mm -hmm. So the final week of seven years is further divided in half. (laughs) So that gives you, that's your tribulation period. Yeah. Verse 25 says, from the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. Seven sevens is 49 years, 62 sevens is another 434 years. Mm -hmm. So 49 years plus 434 comes to 483 total. The prophecy contains a statement concerning God's sixfold purpose in bringing these events to pass. Number one is to finish transgression. Number two, to put an end to sin. Number three, to atone for wickedness. Number four, to bring in everlasting righteousness. Number five, to seal up vision and prophecy. And number six, to anoint the most holy. So as we summarize this, uh, basically, Gabriel said the prophetic clock would start at the time that a decree was issued to rebuild Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So from the date of that decree to the time of the Messiah would be 483 years. We know from history that the command to restore and build, rebuild Jerusalem was given by King Artaxerxes of mm-hmm. Persia yep. in 444 BC. And you can read all about that in Nehemiah chapter 2. So the first unit of 49 years or the seven sevens covers the time that it took to rebuild Jerusalem. In that scripture in Daniel 25, it says, with streets in a trench, but in times of trouble. So that time of building is chronicled throughout Nehemiah. And then after that, um, we had um, 476 years on our calendar, um, which would be from BC 476 um, after BC 444. And then that'll place us at AD 33. So we've been through all of that. And now a lot of prophecy scholars believe that right now we're in a time of a lull between those years right and we're in a gap an unexplained gap we don't know what's what the purpose or whatever but there's an unexplained huge gap now between the 69th and the 70th week right and so when that 70th week hits um that's when the final seven is going to be here and that's the tribulation period yeah and that's when the antichrist is going to come he's going to set up his throne on the earth and hope you know we're going to be out of here mm-hmm. and all of God's wrath is going to start pouring out so 
as confusing as that is, that's that in a <laughs> nutshell. It's it's very right. difficult to explain all of that. I'll say if you want to know more on the on the seventy weeks of of Daniel, I'll, I'm going to definitely do an episode of that here coming up pretty soon. So look for that in a couple of weeks. But um, yeah, so I think the really key thing there though in that in that verse Daniel nine twenty four, it said seventy weeks talking about periods of seven years. Seventy of them are decreed about your people at your holy city. So he was talking there to Daniel and talking about Jerusalem. Yes. So all of that stuff pertains to what's going on when God's dealing with Israel. Right. And right now we're in this gap where God has stopped dealing with Israel and he's turned his attention to the church. Yes. And we're in this gap between, like we said, the 69th week and the 70th week. That last seven-year period is still to come. That's when God's going to turn his attention away from the church because I think we won't be here anymore. Right. And and that's he's going to turn his attention back to Israel yes. and that's why there's so many prophecies about Israel in that 7 year period as well. Yes. It's a yeah. good explanation of that. Um so as we move on to number 3 after a math lesson here. <laughs> <laughs> the church is mentioned more than 20 times in the first 3 chapters of Revelation. But there's no mention of the church between Revelation chapter 4, verse 1, and mm-hmm. basically through the rest of the chapter. Mm-hmm. And something that's even kind of cool here, too, is if you read Revelation, uh, when you hit chapter 4, John was called up to heaven yep. in his vision. And when he gets up there, he hears a trumpet. Yep. And I think what's so cool about that is if you really just think through this with some sensibility, mm-hmm. we know that the trumpet's going to sound when we all leave this earth when Jesus comes back to take us back. And so may or may not be what that means, but it's it's kind of coincidental how when he gets up here, you know, right when the church is taken away, he hears that trumpet after he's moved to heaven in his vision. It's either quite a coincidence or it's telling us (laughs) there is a connection right there. Yeah. And so I think whenever you look at it that way too, um, I think you've got to put those two together. I, I just don't think oh, yeah. I don't think you can keep those separated. Um, so basically, when that trumpet sounds, uh, you know, the Bible tells us in First Thessalonians that the Lord's going to descend from heaven with a shout, with the trumpet of God, and we're going to be caught up. Mm-hmm. So the the church is raptured in chapter four, mm-hmm. basically, um, and so I think that's why that that explains the absence of yeah. the church, because you said the church isn't mentioned from Revelation chapters four through 19. Yes. And those are the chapters that deal with the seven-year tribulation period. Exactly. And the church doesn't even get a shout out in all that time. Right. Yeah. Um, And, you know, there's some argument out there, too, that I kind of threw this in here. There's some argument out there, too, about uh, the silence, Mm -hmm. about, you know, why the silence is there and that kind of thing. Yep. Um, But probably one of the best explanations, because there is, there's a a 30-minute gap. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, whenever the seventh seal is opened, um, that's that's the last of the seals. Mm-hmm. That's right before God just completely pours out tremendous, tremendous. There's already things happening before that. Yeah. But once that seventh seal is open, those bold judgments start coming, and it gets really, really bad. Hmm. And but there's a there's a silence there for thirty minutes. The yep. Bible states. And I always wonder about that. <laughs> yeah, there's there's several scholars that actually talk about that, and I I kind of think I agree with them. We know that as we walk through this life, God's a patient God. Mm-hmm. There's lots of things that we do that we have no deserve deserving whatsoever. Yeah. Of what Jesus did on that cross for us. Yeah. Um, they say that this thirty minutes kind of shows how patient God is to the fact that he may be given just a little bit of extra time one last time mm-hmm. for people to turn their life to him and to believe. 
and to repent before everything turns loose. And, you know, there's nothing after that seventh seal is broken. There's nothing left holding back mm-hmm. God's vengeance at that point. Yeah. And so um, I, I kind of thought that was kind of neat, you know, just thinking of it that way, because that does speak for the true nature of God. That's true. And, and who he is. That's true. Uh, the fourth one, Jesus comes to meet his church in the rapture. First uh, Thessalonians 4.16 and verse 17, it says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, the trumpet call of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we'll be with the Lord forever. So here, he comes to get us, but he doesn't step foot on the earth. He's, he comes in the clouds. Mm-hmm. We go up to meet him. Right. Okay, so when he comes back for his second coming, which is actually at the end, towards the end of the tribulation, he comes back with his church. Right. So it would almost be kind of impossible for us to come back with him if we weren't already gone. (laughs) I I mean, I've heard one post-tribulation Bible prophecy teacher say one time, he said that we just go up and make a U-turn and come Uh, right back on. I'm like, that doesn't, that seems unnecessary. (laughs) Very unnecessary. And that's, you know... I don't know why anybody think God would even work in that that type of uh, a, a scenario. Right. You know, I, yeah, that's kind of silly. Um, it's one of those things, like you said, about using your common sense to interpret the Bible, too. Right. You know, sometimes you would try to make things fit in the way that we expect that the end times is going to play out. But yeah, so th- this is why I like the pre-tribulation rapture view. You start sticking the rapture to other places, it just makes it make less sense yes. over time. It makes it more confusing. It makes me ask more questions than actually get answers. Yes. And God's a God of order. Yep. So we know that if everything's in an order, that everything's always going to come out to the best good that mm-hmm. it possibly could be. And so therefore, in my in my opinion, the church goes up before and we come back with him mm-hmm. when, we come, when he comes back for the second coming. Hmm. Number five, the Antichrist cannot be revealed until after the rapture. In 2 Thessalonians 2, 6 through 8, And now you know what is holding him back, so that he may be revealed at the proper time. For the secret power of lawlessness is already at work, but the one who now holds it back will continue to do so till he is taken out of the way. And then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord Jesus will overthrow with the breath of his mouth, and destroy by the splendor of his coming. You know, a lot of us as Christians today do not don't do not in any way whatsoever understand what power we possess as we populate this earth that we live in. Mm-hmm. The church is literally holding the tribulation back. The Holy Spirit came down mm-hmm. and infiltrated our true churches, infiltrated us as believers. And with the power of the Holy Spirit and with the grace of God, that is what holds back Satan's wrath. Mm -hmm. That's what keeps him from being able to terrorize this earth because he has full power. He's he's the ruler of the air. He's the power of the air. He's the controller of this earth Mm -hmm. that we live in and through the sin that we've, you know, we've created as human beings. And so... That's the only explanation, really, the sensible explanation for why he's not been just turned loose to totally destroy anything and everything on this church. It's us as believers in the church that's holding that back. So, And so that's what it's talking about here when it says the one who now holds it back. Yes. Talking about the the power of the enemy. Yes. 
we are, we are in with the power of the Holy Spirit. We're holding the enemy back exactly. right now. Um, through our prayers, our you know, the things when we pray to God and we pray for revival, we pray for salvation for people, we pray for protection for our country, all those prayers, God answers them. Mm-hmm. And it's through us that, that this, you know, that we're still here. So if the church goes through the tribulation period, and another thing, we're going to know who the Antichrist is because he's going to be the setting right. up the one world government and all of us that have studied revelation right we're gonna be st- i mean we're already watching right now watching stuff that's happening like okay that's prophecy that's prophecy yeah i mean all this does come of you know to fruition right in front of our eyes and we know what's going on mm-hmm. as christians and so when it comes through you know in the tribulation period this person is going to have to be totally catch people off guard as this awesome person to put up we're going to see right through that yeah. as Christians. Yeah. And that's going to be a, a difficult situation for him when he's trying to set up his throne. So I don't think we'll be here to interrupt that mm-hmm. because everybody that's left here during the tribulation period is going to think this Antichrist guy is the best thing since sliced bread and butter. Right. I mean, they're just they're itching just to get him into power because he's going to fix everything. Yeah. And if we've got naysayers here, so that's... There's no right. get away from him, you know. I think that's going to really foil a lot of that plan. And so I think we're going to be out of here for that as well. Um, for, for as much time as as Christians, including myself, you know, spend theorizing, <laughs> trying to figure out who the Antichrist could yes. be. Um, if we actually did know who he was, <laughs> we're in some trouble because that means we're still here. We should have gone in the rapture. Exactly. And, you know, when he comes, he's going to be putting up a statue of himself mm-hmm. in the rebuilt temple that's mm-hmm. going to be rebuilt. He's going to demand that people take his mark and his name or a number. Mm-hmm. Um, that's specified in, in Revelation 13. Um He's going to end up killing the two witnesses. Mm -hmm. They're going to be here at one portion during the tribulation time. And we we know all this stuff as Christians. Mm -hmm. And so... He can't pull that over our eyes if, if we're still hanging around, you yeah. know, yeah. Um, during this point in time. And so I think the, you know, the pre-tribulation rapture um, probably more explains who the restrainer is. Um, yeah. It's us. Yeah. So once the Holy Spirit is pulled from this earth, the church is going to go with him because the Holy Spirit infiltrates us and we are sons and daughters of Christ. Mm-hmm. So I think uh, we all go to heaven um, when that takes place. And we're all that's restraining and holding Satan and his demons back right now. Yeah, I agree. So I that, agree. That's I think a, that's what the scripture says. Yes. Yeah. Well, hey, Daniel, so we're at, we're about 30 minutes in. Okay. And we've only got through five. Do you, do you want to break this up into two? Um, we can if you want. Yeah. I I think it'd be good as a two-parter, okay. actually. Yeah, so. that, that's perfectly fine. I, you know, we, I know there's a lot of extra here. I, I did the study on my podcast several weeks ago, but... Mm-hmm. Mine is kind of, I'm flying through things very quickly because I'm, you know, not really, if I get too deep into it, I could probably go for oh, a yeah. six-year study or something. <laughs> well, what, what? let's do one more today, but first tell people about your podcast. Tell okay. them where they can find Connecting the Gap and what it's all about. Okay. Yeah, you can go to my website. It's connectingthegap.net. And, you know, my wife and I have been in, in ministry in different forms or fashions for years now. Um, church I used to go to, I was on the praise team, and then her and I, with another couple, started a young adult college-age life group, and we did that for about six years. Um, I've you know led uh, adult Sunday school classes. There's just a lot of things that God's put on my heart over the years that He's He's brought me through, and uh, you know whenever I we ended up, God moved us to a different church. 
And my ministry at that church kind of became a little bit different than what I had been doing recently in the past. We've been youth pastors and all kinds of things. And I just, I love to do Bible study and that kind of thing. And we do lead a life group now with our new church um, at our house, uh, but it's a total different setup than any other life group I've been in before. And so I just, I feel like God was just laying on my heart to to do something like this. And mm-hmm. he opened the doors for me as I was praying through the whole, whole thing, trying to figure out, you know, where I want, needed to be or whatever. And it's been, I think I'm at, 80 episode 86 or 87 at this point or something like that yeah um, since i started it and uh god's really really blessed the ministry and um you go to my website there's all the different platforms that my podcast is on it's released once a week on thursdays and uh there's also a page there on how to get saved there's a contact page if you have questions or would like to know more about being a christian you can contact me um, through the website there as well there's a bookstore on there just all different kinds of several different things you can look through um but that's at connectingthegap.net so uh, look forward to you guys checking it out if you'd like. Yeah, yeah. It's that you've got a whole website and everything going there with like books that have <clears throat> that you've that you've gleaned stuff from and that have yes. inspired you. And I'm like, wow, you've put a lot of work <laughs> into all that. Yeah. So, and, and but your show, it's on Apple. It's on, I think anywhere people get my podcast, uh, they can find yours too. Yeah, it's on Apple, Spotify, Deezer, um, Pandora. Uh, it's it's all over the place. On I think Rumble. I'm on. Yeah, it's on, I'm on Rumble. I got a Rumble channel and I'm on YouTube as well. And there's a podcasting app called app called Edify, E D I F I. Um, if if anybody's familiar with that app, it's all Christian materials, all that's on that app. And so my podcast is on there as well. So there's any many many ways that yeah. you can listen every week. Anywhere that someone's <clears throat> listening to this one right now, you can find Daniel's show there too, connecting the gap, and you can find it in even more places. But if yes. wherever you are, you can you can find it there. So look up Daniel Moore, connecting the gap, and it, connecting the gap dot net. Is that the dot website? Net. That's dot, correct. Okay, yes. so please check that out. Let's do one more one more of these today. Okay, um, I think we're on reason number six yes. of reasons to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. Yes. So number six, as we wrap up today, no one can know the day or the hour of the second coming. And this kind of kind of folds itself into number five to an extent. Mm-hmm. Um, but we know that the Bible tells us that not even Jesus knows the son doesn't even know when God's coming, that, that date that God has planned to come back. And so there's no way on earth that we would ever. And, you know, we go through this all the time. We'll have... Um, you know, Jesus coming back in 99 or Jesus coming back in 2010. <laughs> you know, you've got all these prophetic people out there that write these books. I right. mean, on why Jesus is going to come back on this this year and this month or whatever. That's very dangerous ground to be treading, in my opinion, because that's that's false teaching and false prophecy. Mm-hmm. And you got to stay away from that. If anybody ever puts dates on anything, do not listen to anything they mm-hmm. say. Yeah. Because that's not how this works. This is all on God's timetable. He didn't, you know, prophetically reveal anything to anybody. If he's going to tell anyone, he's going to tell his son first. Yeah. He's not going to come down and tell us before he's going to tell his son. And so I, I tell people just disregarding any of that stuff. It'll always make you look smarter. Yeah. If just right off the bat you say, "Nope, it's not going to be that day." Yeah. <laughs> you know exactly. If you're ever wrong, we just go in the rapture anyway. So yep. who cares? But if, <laughs> that's right. But you're always going to look smart if you just disregard it. Yeah. That's there's no other way to handle that type of information. Yeah. So basically, you know, if the church goes through the tribulation period, 
um, because we've kind of discussed earlier, we're so well-versed in prophecy as we study the Bible, mm-hmm. and we already kind of know all this stuff, how it's all going to happen, and in what order. We mm-hmm. don't know time frame, but we know order. Right. So because of that, um, if we start going through the tribulation period and everything, um, some people could probably narrow it down to the day. Oh, yeah. Because it's going to be seven years from the signing of the seven-year covenant. That's right. Um, in Daniel chapter 9, verse 24 through 27. And it's going to be 1,260 days from the day the Antichrist defiles the temple. In Revelation twelve six, the woman fled into the wilderness to a place prepared for her mm-hmm. by God where she might be taken care of for, for 1,260 days. So God's given us some time frames in Revelation Mm-hmm. That good math people, math scholars, could yep. probably sit there and pretty oh, yeah. well pinpoint dates and stuff. So, so I, you know, honestly, I think that um, nobody knows the day or the hour, and I think that kind of also supports the fact that we're going to be out of here before this all starts, mm-hmm. because you know the seven year period is kind of laid out to a point where some people could probably figure it out if they started going through it, and. That's not going to be possible because the Bible says it's not going to happen. That's right. (laughs) Once you know where the seven years starts, you can know where it ends. Exactly. And that totally negates the whole no one knows the day or the hour. So that's got to be talking about something else, which we believe is the rapture. Exactly. Well, um, I think I've talked to Christians over the years and they get a little afraid sometimes. What if we're wrong? What, what if the church does go through the tribulation? I've, I've talked to people before who do get a little concerned about that. And, and I just, yeah, I hope today we've given them some hope. <laughs> I yeah, hope we've set their exactly. mind at ease just a little bit. Yeah. It, it actually says there, I think in um, uh, first Corinth or not first Corinthians, um, first Thessalonians chapter four, it's talking about the rapture. It says, therefore comfort one another with these words. Mm-hmm. If we were going to go through the tribulation too, wouldn't it be so comforting <laughs> to exactly. hear all that? But yeah. I think it's telling us there that that rapture is going to come before the tribulation, and we can take a lot of comfort in that. Yes. So, uh, Daniel, thanks for being with us on the show. I, we got through six reasons today to believe in a pre-tribulation rapture. We're going to have Daniel back on the next episode. We're going to give you seven more. So make sure you come back for that one. And thanks for listening to the Cross References podcast. This has been Luke Taylor and Daniel Moore reminding you to always be ready for the rapture to come at any moment.